Amen. So continue, continuing from chapter 6, we are uh, talking about the judgment that is coming upon Israel. So almost, almost all the prophets of God talk about judgment and they go to restoration. And that pattern goes on and on. I've said this on the first day also. Uh, to the people of God, especially to Israel, judgment does not mean the end for them. It's, uh, uh, it's God's love in action. <clears throat> and the peak of his love allows us to maintain our holiness. That's why he pours his judgment upon us so that we can keep our nobility and holiness. <clears throat> So you need to understand what this means. That God, that God, Him keeping our trying to keep our holiness, trying to keep our nobility is the expression of His ultimate love. And so if money is bringing you into corruption and pollution and, and making you defiled, then he's going to take away that money so that he can keep you holy and keep you pure. So it is out of his love that he limits what you can have. <clears throat> Hallelujah. Is everybody here? receive faith? Do you think that it will be done according to your faith? Are you sure? What about you, Mingyu? Do you think uh, God will respond to your faith? Also, I wanted to wear the t-shirt uh, today, but uh, I'm getting old, so we're just wearing a t-shirt up here. I will get pretty, I will, I will get chilly. So when are we taking the picture today? We're going to be taking it in the evening service. So please, if you didn't wear your t-shirts, then uh, wear it tonight. <clears throat> when your faith reaches Sabbath rest, there are many um, appearances. Oh. But one of the things that you would experience is this power starting to, to churn and move from, from beneath your stomach. So it's hard to explain what this exactly is to those who, who have not experienced it before. But when you learn martial art and when you reach a certain level, you start to move according to this, this energy and this experience that you have accumulated throughout the years. So when this energy moves, you're able to transfer that energy into your punches, into your kicks. And that's why they, they, uh, they hit with such a big blow. And that's why within me as well, spiritually saying, there's this power that reside, resides within me. And that power manifests itself through my time of personal prayer and ministry. 
And so the reason why you're powerless is not because you don't have money. It's because you're faithless. And powerlessness seems to be the main trend of, of, of the young adults and the next generation. And when I look at the sisters, and when I look at the sisters, sometimes I understand why they're not satisfied with their, with their husbands. It's because they look at their head pastor and think, that's a man. And when they look at their husbands, eh. So do not set your standards to me. So sisters look at me and they're like, oh, that's a man who is filled uh, with the strength of the Lord, with the power of God. But what can you do? I'm already married to my wife, Mrs. Cho. So young adults, please listen carefully. The reason why you cannot get married is because you're without faith. What about your aunt and aunties? How come you didn't get married? So answer, answer honestly. If some, if some man came, came to you with, with a similar faith uh, as I have, then will you get married to him if he asks you to? <clears throat> oh. I'm going to ask uh, Sister Wani. If somebody comes to you and says, will you marry me in, the, in your age, then will you get married to, them, to him? No? I guess you're better off on your own. Or you're without faith. So Mrs. Kim, Mrs. Cho, I want to clarify that Pastor Kim is talking about a man with a similar faith as Pastor Kim, not the looks and the appearance of Pastor Kim. And Pastor Kim is defending himself, saying, I also am saying faith, not about my looks. So we're all talking about faith here and nothing else. Not talking about your, uh, my face. Do not even dream about that. <clears throat> Mrs. Cho says, uh, Sister Wani is already married to, to God, and so she doesn't need another man. Anyways, let's begin. <clears throat> So let's finish this sermon in an hour, hopefully. So now is the ultimate conclusion of, of this prophecy. So verse 1 and 2 talk about the determination of the Lord. Listen to what the Lord says. Uh, chapter 1 started with Shema Israel. Israel. It means Israel, you must hear. And the conclusion also begins with listen. So the life of Israel starts, begins with listening to the voice of the Lord and ends with listening to the voice of the Lord. And it is the same for you guys as well. 
You have to listen to the voice of God so that when He tells you to, to, to go up to heaven, you will listen to Him and go up to heaven. But the more you listen to yourself or to others, the more, more complicated your life will become. So if your life is full of complexity and, and, and confusion, then that means something is wrong with your faith. I'm not talking about your personal characteristics or personalities. If you're living with the Lord, then you have to become simple. Your life will not become complex. Because everything is decided by the Lord and everything will move according to His will. And so all you have to do is listen to that voice, listen to His plans, and receive that by faith. This is the overall appearance and the form of, of your spiritual life, which you, you need to follow after. So if your life is complicated at the moment, then you need to evaluate yourself to see what is wrong, because there is an issue with your faith. That means you're living with your own, by your own world, you're living by your own thoughts, you're living by the standards of Babylon. You have to be able to see this clearly. <laughs> Let's say I'm, I'm a level one chess player. And he's a, a level nine chess player. Let's say I make a move. I'm level one. And he's level nine. And he will say, don't, don't move that pawn over there, move it over there. And because I'm level one, I have my own thoughts and strategies. And then I'll try to decide for myself whether or not to listen to this level 9 player. Is he making a mistake? Is this right? I'm going to think about that. But let's say I, I, I have never played a game of chess before. But I have to go against a professional chess player. Let's say just for example. You, know, you never know what's going to happen in life. You know, sometimes you're going to be met with situations like this where you have to go against the professional when you are just uh, a nobody. So I have, I have no uh, knowledge of chess. All I have to do is listen to what this level 9 player is telling me to do because I have no, I have no strategies. So I'll just look at him and say, where, where should I move my pawn? Where should I move my knight? And look how easy and simple your life will become if you follow after this formality. So this is the same, the same thing as living with a creator God. Because our creator God knows everything that is to know in this universe because he created it. But when God tells you to go this way, why won't you follow him? Why would you complain to him saying, Lord, is this, is this, is this right? Do you understand what I'm going through? So in Psalm... In Proverbs 3, it says, uh, leave everything to the Lord. All you have to do is leave everything to the Lord. Why do you dare to try to control yourself or control what God wants to do in you? And many of you are, many of you are actually living that kind of lives right now. And because God is residing within me, and I'm trying to look at you through the perspective of, of the Lord as well, but people like me who live by faith, when I look at you, you're very, you look very foolish. 
And sometimes you look stupid. You know, look how foolish they are to live by their own thoughts. People like me who are living by faith can see how wrong you guys are. And soon, I, I know that soon some of you will become very bound. So Pastor Q, who was just ordained this year, I, I told his wife everything, everything that is going to happen in, her, in their pastoral ministry. And I, I talked about everything in very, uh, very truthfully. So I, I talked about all the difficulties that she's going to face in this ministry. And Mrs. Kim said, why are, you giving, why are you scaring her even before she has to begin her ministry? But I said, no, I'm just telling you what is going to happen. And I'm telling you these things because you have to rely on the Lord and leave everything for God to decide and not try to lead, uh, lead this ministry by your own strength. Especially, I said, be careful of your younger brother. And also tell, uh, told Pastor Kiyun to be careful of his younger brother because uh, the reason why your leadership will not be able to, to, to be fully, uh, be in full power in your church is, is going to be because of your younger brother. So, so always be cautious of your little brother. And right now, I think that is happening at the moment. Because the younger brother saw the past, present, and knows of the future of, the, of his older brother. And so it's going to be very difficult for him to serve his older brother as his head pastor. Or maybe follow your father to Jeju Island. So listen carefully. We are unknowledgeable, unknowledgeable in chess. So we just have to move according to how the Lord tells us to move. That's the key to our life. And the sad thing is you guys think you know how to play chess because you're a, a mere level one player. You think you will be good enough to take care of your own, own, uh, own strategies. And that's the problem with many of the pastors of this age. They say, uh, Zoe ministry is good. It's, it's very good, but I also have some good things within me. And so they try to mix the two to, to get the better of both worlds in their, in their own ways. But in the spiritual world, a difference of one level is huge because even that difference of one level will, will allow you to see a lot more than before. And you didn't learn how to obey leadership. That's the problem. Disciples need to, need to fully allow themselves to go under the leadership of their teachers. So you have to throw away everything and, and be fully obedient to their leaders. So when Jesus called to his disciples, the disciples left everything, left their jobs, their homes to follow Jesus. So that's the way of life for the disciples of Jesus. And because they were obedient in that way, even though they didn't pray, they were able to deliver people. They were able, able to heal, pe heal people. It's because they were living the life of a disciple, following Jesus. <clears throat> but many of us, we still don't have the right attitude to become a disciple. We still think we have our own experiences. We know how to do stuff. We think we, we are a level one chess player, and that's why we, just, we start to make our own moves. But that's not the way of the disciple. That's not the life of a disciple. We need to throw away everything and follow Jesus. Right now, the pastors in, in Central and Southern America are receiving this anointing as it is. I'm not saying they're 100% yet. But at the very least, after meeting with me, 
they realized that they had nothing before. So they threw away everything and just received everything that, they are, uh, that, uh, that we are pouring upon them. So, that, so that's why there's such a revival that is happening in, in Central America. And up until now, up until now, the way that the Lord has guided his holy ministry is he only would accept people who are willing to throw away the, uh, the things that belong to themselves and, and receive everything from, from uh, the true system of Zoe ministry. And in the end times, he's going to send and use those who are willing to put down everything and follow the Lord. There, are, there were more than 4,000 pastors that came and went from Zoe ministry. But look how many are left. And the reason why they left is because they were unwilling to let go of their own things. And their, lives be- and their lives and ministry became complex and complicated. All we have to do is put down everything, just, just uh, obey the Lord. And your life will become so simple. It's as simple as being, uh, listening to the Lord. Shema Israel. Within that contains everything that we, sh- we need to know. So why are you living such a complicated, such a complicated life when your when your life can can, be, can become so simple? And this simplicity does not mean that your life is going to be dull and boring. No, this simplicity can, uh, means that you're living you're living with the wisdom of of the Lord that created this universe. And this simplicity opens up a channel that connects you to the Lord. And through this channel, you will receive everything from the Lord. And that's why everything, every day you will live in inspiration with the Lord. You will not stop to rejoice with the Lord and be happy with Him for eternity. And this is why God created us. He wanted us to live and enjoy uh, our company with Him for eternity. And that, this love that we have for the Lord is going to be more, uh, it's going to be greater than the love that we have for our, 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 our spouses. Because no matter how much you love your spouses, after, after 30 years, that, that love is going to fade a little. And when you're living with somebody, you know, biologically living with somebody, no matter, uh, after 30 years, you're, you're no longer going to be surprised about that person because you, you know everything about them. But that's not the case with our relationship with the Lord. For eternity, we're going to be amazed by Him. And for eternity, He's going to love us. And it is similar to listening to sermons because I, I preach from the same messages. I preach from the same, same uh, text from the Bible uh, every year. Every time, but people receive uh, this message in different ways every time, and so that's why, that's why everybody receives grace in these sermons. Even though you have listened to it before, uh, uh, you, every time you listen to it, it's going to come to you in a different way, in a different perspective. And my daughters actually don't really like it when I, when I uh, make dad jokes. So I'm trying to, I'm trying to fix that, but. Also, uh, the reason why you guys are not laughing is because you don't understand the level of my jokes. It is at a higher level. Anyways, listen carefully. 
So Shema Israel is the core of the lifestyle of Israel. So, one way to confirm of your calling to your bunk church is whether or not you get, you're able to receive the messages that I'm proclaiming by faith. If not, then no matter how great you are in the world, no matter how much money you have, no matter how much skills and techniques you have acquired, if you cannot receive the message of God, then all of this is, is pointless. And this is not my ministerial philosophy, but it's the truth. If you cannot form a relationship of gospel with me, then no other relationship is going to work. Because this is an issue between you and the Lord. So that's why you, have to th- you need to be able to throw away everything and allow yourselves to listen to the sermons of God, sermons that is proclaimed, being proclaimed right now. You need to be able to listen to the voice of the Holy Spirit if you have spiritual ears. Your spiritual ears need to be opened. Now let's move on. Stand up, plead my case before the mountains, and let the hills hear what you have to say. So who is this addressing? It may be Micah, or it may be Israel. But when we look at the overall flow of chapter 6, because this is the conclusion of this prophecy, I'm sure this is uh, uh, addressing Israel. So, uh, God is saying, Israel, stand up and plead your case before me. And the hills are representing the jury. So, he's, he's asking Israel, if you have done something right, then would you say it before the court? So, and the little hills would open up their ears to, to listen to, to you plead your case. So, even though humans can only live to like a hundred years, God has been present for eternity. He is able to see, uh, he was able to see the history of Israel. He knows exactly what they did right and what they did wrong. In verse 2, hear you mountains, the Lord's accusation. Now, now the mountains need to listen to the case of the Lord, to the accusations of God. And God is, uh, uh, the Lord is, is, is saying what the Israelites did right and wrong in his eyes. So the last, uh, there are two accusations that are written in this chapter, and the second con- uh, accusation, well, the two are written in different, using different words. But the second one refers to the conclusion of this, of this case. And now God is accusing Israel, Israel of their wickedness and of their sins, and he's going to bring his judgment upon them. So we must no longer live a life where we will be accused uh, by, uh, 
by our sins. In Romans 2.15, uh, it says that people have conscience. People have consciences. So when they do something wrong, that sin is going to come into their consciences, conscience. And so either a charge will be brought against them or they, or they will need to, to, to pray to get rid of it, get rid of this record. Because as soon as you do so, you're going to be regarded as a sinner because of your conscience. So that's why when you live by your conscience, you'll be living with the record of your sin. And you cannot get rid of your sin through your moral ethics or by your reason and rationality. So if you live by your conscience, then you'll be walking on the path of sin. And according to the, 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 the spiritual system of, uh, of the law, you will only be charged with the sins that you could be continually charged with the uh, records of your sin in your conscience. And you have no power to get rid of this issue by yourselves. And that's why we require the power of the blood of Jesus. And a good conscience means that your heart is completely open, a good con- your, your, your conscience is completely open to the Lord so that you will allow the Lord to come and cleanse it. So people should not live by conscience, by their consciousness, but live by the Holy Spirit. <clears throat> so we need to allow the Holy Spirit to work through us, and we need to listen to the voice of the Holy Spirit. And that means you need allowing the Holy Spirit to work without any limitations within yourselves. In 2 Timothy 2, 5, that is the, the three channels of love that we are talking about, the pure heart, good conscience, and the sincere faith. It means uh, having your, your spiritual windows open to the Lord at all times so that you will allow the light, allow light to come into you and, and, and uh, illuminate yourself so that there will be no darkness within you. But if, if your conscience is, is polluted, then that means your, your windows are shut and your windows are, are dirty and so it limits the amount of light that is able to come into the room. So that is the state of good conscience where you're able to open up uh, your windows wide. So because of, the, because of the blood of Jesus, we no longer uh, need to be accused. We, ne- we no longer are brought... Like, this charge is never going to come to us. We, don't, we never need to go to court. Even if the enemy comes and tries to, to bring a charge against us, we don't need to fight against them anymore. In Hebrews 7, it talks about uh, the, the, the promise of the new covenant. And within that new covenant, it talks about how we no longer need to be, uh, be, be, be under the, the charge of death because uh, the blood of Jesus has been sprinkled upon us. And in John 6, 2 John also talks about how the blood of Jesus is coursing through our bodies. So we, don't, we no longer live by our own will. We no longer live by our, our standards of goodness. Because all we have to do is live by the righteousness that God has given to us. All we have to do is acknowledge Him. And we can constantly meet with Him. 
and God constantly says we are we are right we are good we are righteous then why are you in court why are you always being uh, accused by the enemy to uh, the characteristics of these people is that you always try to 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 defend yourselves but that, you shouldn't have to defend yourself against these accusations anymore just Toss it to the Lord, toss it to Him, cast it to Him, and He will take care of it. Even if the world, even if the enemy comes to accuse you and bring a charge against you, you have no requirement to go to that court. Because the ultimate judge, the ultimate judge says that we no longer need to be judged anymore. So there's no reason for the world. They have no power over us anymore to bring this charge against us. And this is the appearance of those who have received the righteousness of God. They, don't, they do not care about the acknowledgement of the world, of what they say is right and wrong, because they have no authority to come and accuse us. Especially demons and evil spirits have no right to come and accuse us of our sins. We don't need to even meet them anymore. All we have to do, if they come before us, just blow them away. It's because every day you, you, you stumble over the stumbling blocks that they have put before you. That's why you, you keep, uh, uh, fall, you fall into despair and depression because you listen to the voice of the enemy. And when you're struggling with the spirit of unbelief, the mechanism that starts to work is, is you're supposed to have a... Uh, uh, you're supposed to, to be able to meet the Lord personally. And there are many reasons why the, Lord, the Holy Spirit is dwelling within us. But one of the reasons is the Holy Spirit helps us to make decisions in our lives because God is not a forceful God. He, he has a personal and loving relationship with, uh, with Him. And so, and the Holy Spirit, one, one of His names is He's the Great Counselor because He helps us make decisions, the right decisions. There's a sister who's working as a lawyer and she's she's listening to my sermons very well. And, and so I, I really uh, I adore her because of her relationship with me. And she's working very hard to also uh, translate um, translate our our um, uh, our MB MB booklets also. <laughs> Anyways, let's move on. God, the Holy Spirit is an advocate. So having this personal relationship with the Lord is very important because God never forces us to do something. That's the difference between the voice of the enemy and the voice of God. The voice of God, the, vo- the voice of the enemy is very forceful. They speak while holding on to our weaknesses. 
and, and, and uh, teasing people about their age and threatening people about their weaknesses is the voice of the enemy. For example, for Pastor Shinu, he's, he's um, a pretty short man. And so the enemy will come and say, what can you do being so short? The world will look down upon you. But no, God has prepared the best women uh, to, be, to be your wife. So do not worry about, do not worry about, do not worry about it. <clears throat> and it is the same for me as well. Sometimes when I look, look at somebody, rather than seeing the glory that is present within them, I would, look at, I would only see darkness and their weaknesses. And when I judge that person in that way, I would, I would later on repent about that because I have lost sight of the perspective of, lost sight of, the perspective of God. And as the head pastor, I'm so, I have to do everything according to the love of the Lord. Because I also need to minister to this church through this personal relationship. And so the reason why, well, the, the second reason why the Holy Spirit has been given to us is because uh, of the love of the Lord. God has invited us into his assembly because he loves us. And this great nobility of, of becoming his child is also given to us because, because of his love. So sometimes, in, in a way, we can say it is very natural for God to treat us uh, with respect because he has given us his nobility. So people who, who are unable to maintain this personal relationship with the Lord, many of them will say the reason why they're having difficulty at the moment is because of their situation, because they couldn't help it. They, it was out of their power to do anything. And people like that are living in a great dis- uh, unbelief and uh, deception. They're unable to see their own wick- wickedness. They cannot see the choices that, have made, that they have made out of unbelief. So most of them will try to defend themselves saying, I couldn't help it. My, my, my surroundings, my situation allowed, uh, may, forced me to become like this. And look at yourselves. Are you, make, are you making up excuses in this way? If you are, then you're living in a great unbelief. And then their characteristic is that they cannot repent anymore because they justify themselves with their excuses. They make themselves right. And that's a very dangerous uh, unbelief and a dangerous spiritual state. It means unbelief has already been personified within you. So people who live by faith, their way of life is, let's say something happened. then they would uh, only care about the things that are spiritual and of faith. Let's say um, 200 pastors are coming from Central America to Israel. People with unbelief will say, we cannot, we cannot uh, manage that many people. And people will say, it is impossible for us to manage that, that many people in, in, uh, for a conference in Israel. But people of faith will say, oh, we're going to have to find an accommodation that would accommodate 400 people. We need to find a bigger conference hall. That's the response of, of the people who live by faith. 
Because the Holy Spirit is within us and He would always try to convince us of, of doing what is right. So you have to look at the things of um, uh, the, the elements of unbelief that the enemy has planted within you. The reason why you listen to the voice of, accu- ac- voice of accusations of the enemy is because the enemy has already convinced you that what they're saying is right by bringing your weaknesses before you. And they would say, because you're weak in your prayer life, that's why you, you, you hold on to your workplaces and work hard in the world. So, and they say, since you're tired, it's, very, it's, uh, it's okay to skip a, skip a day of prayer. Unbelief is created through the voice of justification that came from the enemy, justifying their accusations against you. Though nobody's there to help you, so that's why you need to rely on that person. That's how they come and justify their words. So they're very smart, actually, and they're very intelligent in their schemes. But people who have faith, even if uh, all of all of the way all of the all of their possible ways are impossible, they were able to find that one path that would that would be possible out of a thousand of impossible ways. But people who live, live, who live without faith, even though they see a thousand possible ways, they would choose that one way that it will lead to impossibility. So that's, those are the people who are living while, while, um, while, while having uh, these spiritual earphones. And because they're constantly listening to the voice of the enemy, they think uh, their actions are right. They think their right actions are legal. And many of them actually think that they are living according to the Lord. And they judge everything uh, that they do according to themselves. And anything that is outside of their possibilities, they wouldn't try it. But on the other, on, on the other hand, people who are faithful give up their own possibilities. Just like the story of Elijah, he poured uh, three jars of water upon the, the, the altar that was supposed to burn. But, and he did that to eliminate all of his own possibilities. And that's the image of the people who are, who are living by faith. They give up their own possibilities and allow, allow the Lord to work through them. And that's what I have been trying to do throughout my life with the Lord. Everything that, uh, everything that I do, uh, whenever something happens, I would give up my own strength, I would give up my own possibilities and allow, to, allow the Lord to work through me. Especially when it comes to money. When I need $5,000, people without faith would, uh, would immediately try to think of ways to collect this money. But when, uh, when it comes to me, I would first, the first thing that comes into my mind is how am, how am I going to use this money for others? So this mindset is completely different between the two. And I would would actually give this money to others, to to missionaries, to other pastors around the world. And when you have that kind of faith, God is going to give you even more money than He has promised. 
because you will let that money float, you will bless others with that money. So, so this defense is, is, is an important keyword into this message because the enemy will continue to come and, and um, accuse you of your sins and bring a charge against you. But if you fall to that, then that means you have been influenced by unbelief. And that is, the spirit, that, that is the spiritual mechanism that is within us. But we need to allow the Holy Spirit to become our advocate, advocate to become our, our defense. He's going to help us to make the right decisions. But what is unbelief? The enemy will help us, to, will, will remind us of our weaknesses. You, you may ask, how am, I, how am I supposed to feed this many people? And the enemy will whisper in the ears of Philip, saying, you cannot do it. It is impossible. That is the conclusion of unbelief. And that's how the mechanism of unbelief works within you. Again, is it personal or is it legal? And you guys like the word legal, right? Being legitimate. And people like being lawful. People like doing uh, according to the law. In America also. You know, whenever somebody is offended, they say they're going to sue you. A lot of African Americans use this expression. Verse 3 through 5. So now it talks about the grace of the Lord as he defends, defends uh, his people. My people, what have I done to you? That's verse 3. How have I burdened you? Answer me. So God only poured his goodness upon Israel. And what is the core of his goodness? That is written in verse 4. I brought you out of Egypt and redeemed you from the land of slavery. So, so Israel was, began their life in slavery and they were supposed to end their life in slavery as well. Slavery as well but the Lord has redeemed them out of that life. He became the father for, for this people. And through Hosea, he also told Israel that he, he wants Israel to become his holy bride. And he has poured this, this great grace upon them. And, the, and in our lives, the best thing that the Lord has done for us is he has taken care of our sins. We no longer have to live under slavery uh, to Babylon because our sins have been taken care of. We were, supposed to, we were living as beggars, but now he has made us into kings. So this is the climax of the love of the Lord, where he has taken us out of the, out of the sentence of death. So no, your life should no longer be influenced by this death, by no longer be uh, influenced by the spirit, spirit of, of pain, because you have escaped sin, you have escaped your wickedness. So the proclamation of Romans 6 is not a simple uh, proclamation. Uh, Paul proclaimed this message through confidence, through spiritual confidence and boldness. He said, you are no longer influenced by, by your sins. You are free of your, of your sins. 
So it should be impossible for you to, for your life to enter pain, to, for, for it to, to continue to be tormented. That's the, that, that life means you're living without, without Christ. Because all of, of the pain in our lives come from, come from our relationship to our sins. But God has separated us, us from our sins, so we no longer have anything to do with those things. And uh, the conclusion of sin will lead you to death. So since death has been taken care of for us, we no longer need to be under this pain in our lives. So when pain comes to you, you no longer acknowledge that pain because you just toss it to the Lord. You just give it to the God of salvation. And when you do so, no longer will the spirit of death work upon you. And that is 2 Corinthians 2 verse 4. When I, when I bear the death of Jesus upon me, the life of Jesus, the resurrection of Jesus will also be manifested through me. So, this, so your death, your sin has also died with you, died with Jesus on the cross. And that's why we can bear the cross within our lives. And we also resurrected with him together. So our sins have been taken care of. We no longer should be tormented and, and experience pains, painful things in our lives. Because God has taken care of everything for us. This is how your life should move. But because in your daily lives you, you, you choose uh, you choose your flesh that's why your churches your lives are filled with the, with the, with the rule of death with this, uh, the dominion of death every day you're going to funerals every day your face is pale because you're in agony God has resurrected God is resurrected Jesus has already, already been resurrected so look at that light. Live with that, the, the life that comes from His resurrection. So many of these, many of these um, Uh, many of these religious customs in Christianity was, uh, was, was highly altered during the, the era of Constantine. And so the Day of Atonement was supposed to be a day of celebration where you forgive others and, you for, and your sins are forgiven. And so it is, it is a celebration for, for the people of God. And uh, Muslims also have a similar tradition, the Ramadan, where they would starve, they would fast all throughout the day, and then they would party like they would party like there's no tomorrow during the evening, all throughout the night, because of their freedom from from their sins. But the glory that we have seen and the liberation that we uh, that we are able to enjoy. Is, is far better and far greater than that of, of, of the uh, Islamic faith because the, the, the life of resurrection has come into us. So I wanted to preach briefly, but there, were, there are many things that I, want to, that I want to talk about. But anyways, this is the expression of the love of God. He has redeemed us from slavery. And he goes on to say, I sent I send Moses to lead you and also Aaron and Miriam. 
And in order to lead his people out of slavery, God sent his own, God sent his leaders to do so. And this is how he uses his leaders. We need to believe in this. God takes full responsibilities for us. He takes care of everything because he loves, loved us first. I've, I, um, loved, I asked my wife to marry me, and so I take responsibility for her. When I was, when I was asking uh, her for, for marriage, I promised that I would not wet her fingers, which usually means I won't let her wash dishes, but I just bought her rubber gloves instead. So I kept my promise, technically. <clears throat> I also said to my wife, do not drive. I will drive you everywhere you need to go. And so I took away her driver's license. So now she doesn't drive. I, keep, I kept my promise. <laughs> Apparently she found her license. <laughs> Let's move on. Verse 5. My people, remember what Balak, king of Moab, plotted and what Balaam, son of Beor, answered. So Balak wanted to uh, use Balaam to, to, to plot against Israel. But God turned this around and used it as a blessing for Israel. So this is how how uh, this is how God keeps the nobility of Israel. Even the even when the world curses at Israel, He would change that curse into a blessing. So you guys hear many things from the world in your daily lives, but if you if you fall into despair because of these voices, then that means you have been. Uh, attacked by the enemy. Or you would look into yourself and, and try to check what is wrong. So I'm, I'm not saying you shouldn't evaluate yourself to see what is the issue. But people of God, the people of God, rather than focusing on what they did wrong, they will focus on why this happened to them in the perspective of the Lord. So why did God allow this to happen to me? And it's because they believe, they acknowledge that whatever happens to them, it happens to them because the Lord has allowed it to do, to allow it to happen. And they, many of us do not realize how noble and how precious we are in the eyes of God. And without you knowing, you, you give a lot of power and authority to the enemy because you acknowledge their accusations. Oh, the world. All these demons. Because you have a habit of acknowledging them, that gives them power over you. But no, you, 
You are an eternal being, whereas the world will, will burn and perish pretty soon. So you have to stop acknowledging the power of the enemy. So when something happens to you, you have to ask the Lord, Lord, why did this happen to me? Why did you allow this to happen to me? And that's why you're able to see, that only, if, only when you respond in this way will you be able to see what is wrong and also repent for your mistakes. But if you're, only, if you're unable to do this and only responding by, by, through darkness every day, then that means your spiritual, uh, your, your spiritual structure is, is broken at the moment. You have to ask yourself, are you living with God or are you living with the demons? If you're living with God and every day you're supposed to live according to the scale of the Lord while proclaiming victory over the enemy. And look at the world, look how insignificant it is compared to the power of God. And look how little and, and, and uh, futile the, the enemy is. Remember your journey from Shittim to Gilgal. Shittim was the first place that Israel made camp after crossing the uh, Jordan River. And Gilgal was the place where they scouted uh, the uh, Jericho. So Shittim was the, the, the last point that they last point where they camped before uh, at, during their journey around the wilderness and Gilgal was, uh, was the place that they stayed right before they went to the promised land so like I said before uh, the lives of the children of God are taken care of by the Lord he takes full responsibility if he, did, if he was unwilling to take responsibility for us, then he would never call us to be his children, and he would never have become, become our father. But God is the God that is able to embrace the whole universe. He, this is the, the grand scale of the Lord. But that, that, that great God who came into our world and is willing to count the number of hairs that are on our heads. But people who don't understand this and are unwilling to believe in this, they say, God, you, you don't know. You don't understand. Every day you say, God never understands you. You don't know how difficult my life is. You don't know what I'm going through. No, if God doesn't know what you're going through, then he cannot call himself God. But still, there are so many people who are mistaken in this way. It's because these things have been shut off from you. You're unable to experience the things of the Spirit. And God is never forceful with you. And so you need to allow yourself to be open so that God can come into you and shine His light upon you. But you are bound by, your, by legalism, by, by religion, by, by, human, by humanism. And all these things will, will make your life complicated. So are you being liberated at the moment? <coughs> so of course some of you are doing well but some of you need to need to uh, take yourself out of this this situation now let's move on to verse 6 now we can see the mis- 
how Israel is mistaken through, through the, the next uh, part. Verse 6, With what shall I come before the Lord? So Israel is responding with deeds uh, to the accusations of God. And it is, sim- it is the same for us. When we talk about our relationship with the Lord, many people think about what actions they can do, what, what actions they can take. How many hours should I pray? And that, that itself is not a bad thing. But you're trying to prove of your relationship with the Lord through your actions. That, that is what you're doing wrong. And that means your spiritual personality is, is off. How should you go be- uh, verse six, and bow down before the exalted God? Shall I come before him and burn with burnt offerings with calves a year old? So Israel is talking about their worship to the Lord when they try to resolve their relationship with the Lord. They talk about the actions that they take in this worship. So this is the wrong conclusion that they have come to. I'm not saying that them thinking about worship is, is wrong, but because they have lost their holy relationship with the Lord, the first thing that is corrupted is their worship. So the worship itself is not in the wrong. But because their bro- uh, relationship with the Lord is broken, their uh, worship is also broken down. Through worship is where they receive everything from the Lord. But now they're unable to do so because their worship has been broken down. So, so the word exalted here, exalted, right? Is the word swala, swala in Hebrew. It talks about true worship but it's used in a different context. This, this, this word is used for idols. So since Israel has fallen into syncretism, they don't even understand what true worship is anymore. And when they talk about calves, these are, these are the calves that are lit, uh, offered to idols in pagan worship. You, and you may ask, how, how can they do this? But no, when you're influenced by the world, you lose sight of what is true and what is important in worship. You don't know how to lift, offer a true worship because you, you, don't, you forget what it means to experience the Lord in worship. What does it mean to, 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 um, to come to worship with, uh, with, with faith and with uh, truthfulness, with sincerity? And there are five... There are five offerings within the Old Testament. You know, uh, offerings for, for, for atonement, for uh, sacrifice, for restoration, and also, also for blessing. And all these things have to come to you in worship. But when you're influenced by the world, this is broken down. So all these channels that you can receive from the Lord are, are, are uh, closed off. 
And the more you do that, the more you're going to fall into religion, and the more you're going to start to be upset with the Lord because the Lord no longer, no longer gives you the blessings that you have received. So you would be met with two conclusions. Either you become a religious person or you would, you would fall out of your faith. So that is the danger of being influenced by the world. So uh, having, uh, the spirit of the world becomes like a poison for pastors and, and, and for the church. But many pastors in the church actually proclaim that this is a blessing that God has given to us. They only bless people who excel in the world and say, when, when, and when they get when they get accepted to a great college, they will say, "Oh, what, what good, how good, and how great uh, of a blessing that God has given to you." But I, on the other hand, would say. Um, when you get into a good college, they'll say, why, why do you need to go to college? If it's not according to the will of the Lord, then you should quit that job or you should quit uh, your schools. Let's say there's a sister here and she earns like 100 million a year or a million a year. And that million can be a blessing for her and also it, it, can, it cannot be a blessing for her. And, but where is the focus of that then? Let's say God promised her 10, 10 million, but she can only receive 1 million. Then I would say throw away that 1 million because it, it, it did not come from the Lord because He has promised you 10 million. People who have faith for blessing will say, Oh, just take that one million because even though it is not the amount that God has promised you, it is still a great amount of money. So it is a blessing nonetheless. And it's the same when I when I uh, when I when I guide our church businesses, even when they When the contracts that, that they're trying to make with the other companies do not go according to the will of the Lord, I would just say, just throw it away, toss it away. It doesn't matter because uh, that, is not, that is not the contract that God wants us to sign with. But because we live without faith, we start to, when we do so, we, when, we, when we start to live without faith, we start to live by the standards of the world. So I'm very, uh, I'm sorry about, sorry about talking about, Sorry for talking about these uh, heavy topics. So since Israel's worship has been broken down, they're focusing on what they have to do in worship, what offerings to lift up, what, what calves, what sacrifices to make. And in contemporary churches, that would be uh, what kind of choir they're going to lift up, what kind of uh, equipment they should build in the church, what kind of worship or, or even, um, or even uh, uh, singers that they have to invite to the church to gather the people. So I'm saying the formality is not important. It's not about what you, you can do in worship. When you look at the historical records of Israel, during the Passover, during the biggest uh, Passover event, they sacrificed around 60 lambs. You can see the scale of that Passover. But was God pleased with that? No, probably not. 
because God cannot accept the offerings that are given to those who are influenced by religion. And in verse 7, he goes on to say, Shall I offer my firstborn for my transgression and the fruit of my body for the sin of my soul? Worship is um, worship should be a worship of holiness, not a worship of your actions. So some I I have experienced this occasionally, and that is God pouring everything that He has prepared just for one person in, in that worship. I personally have experienced that before. When I was an associate pastor in a, in a, in a big church, that worship was, had no anointing. That worship was, was, it wasn't filled with the presence of God. But God came to me personally in that worship, even though nobody else was experiencing that. And God was pouring everything that He had prepared for that worship to, to me my, as an individual. Because I was a true worshiper in that, in that church. And God is seeking and f- trying to find those who are willing to offer true worship to Him. And right now, God is finding those, of, uh, those people in this, in this worship as well. People are, who are truly coming here to worship the Lord. Uh, verse 8, He has shown you, O mortal, what is good. So God has shown Israel, the Israelites what, what is good in His eyes. And Israel already knows what true worship is. We also know what true worship is. But because we have been influenced by the world in Babylon, we get, we get defiled. To act justly, uh, and what does the Lord require of you? To act justly and to love mercy and to walk humbly with your God. So this is talking about the, uh, the elements of, of the holiness of God. And it's mishpat. And it's also uh, combined with zedek. It's receiving the righteousness of God. And loving mercy is hased. So if you're able to restore uh, this relationship of holiness with the Lord, then the result of that would be love and mercy. So through, uh, through the love of the Lord, we're able to restore uh, His righteousness and His, His justice. And on the other hand, through his, his righteousness and through His justice, we're able to receive His love and mercy. And that is true right now in this worship. If you're experiencing His love, then He will show you what is wrong, what you have to repent about, so that you can become righteous again. And you were supposed to die for your sins, but instead, you sacrifice a lamb. So that's what the Israelites did. They sacrificed animals instead of themselves. But in this worship, the blood of Jesus acts as that sacrifice. He comes and cleanses us of our sins. And simultaneously, we're able to receive that love through, through his, his sacrifice. Realize that we have become his child, that we are his heirs, and we see how God sees us. So in this relationship of love, uh, righteousness and justice will always be a part of it. 
And what happens to us then, we start to become, we become humble before God. We cannot become boastful or prideful in His eyes. We do not become timid. But we are humble because we allow the Lord to work through us. We acknowledge that we cannot do anything. That is, that is humility. People who have, who have gotten a taste of holiness in worship know how to live a humble life before the Lord. Why do you become prideful? It's because you, lost, you have lost sight of God. You have lost sight of His holiness. That's why you become prideful. You think you have the power to do th- things. Let's move on. It's already one. We need to finish this anyways. Uh. And no, it's walking humbly with your God. And that is the, the way of life for those who have experienced the holiness of God in worship. Now let's move on to verse 9 to 16. Uh, it continues to talk about uh, the, the, the sins of Israel. Listen, the Lord is calling to the city and to fear your name, and to fear your name is wisdom. So in Proverbs it says the beginning of wisdom is, is the fear of the Lord. So people who live with the fear of the Lord are, are, are humble. And through that hum- humbleness, humility, they're able to receive wisdom from God. Because they do not live for themselves. They put God before them. They let God live through them. And they're able to, to, to resist uh, the temptations of their flesh. And that's why God blesses them with His wisdom. And they're able to live within uh, the, 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 the principles of the Lord. Let's move on. Heed the rod and the one who appointed it. So since they couldn't do that, God is going to uh, uh, discipline them. So a while ago, uh, or years ago, my Achilles heel was torn while playing uh, foot, foot tennis. And no, I, I would have felt, I would have been less embarrassed if I tore my, my, my Achilles heel while, while kicking the ball. But, but I actually tore it while walking backwards. And I, I stepped on mud, on... So I, I stepped, took my steps wrong, and that's why I tore, tore my Achilles heel. And there was actually a sound that, that it, there was a popping sound that happened that, that resonated when, when it happened. And I fainted because of the pain. And I didn't express it at the time, but it felt really unfair to me because I wanted to play, I wanted to play uh, ball with the other pastors of the church. But my, my Achilles heel broke. And that's why I couldn't play with the other pastors anymore. And um, I prayed to the Lord, repenting to Him. 
because I realized that something that this happened to me because of what I was doing wrong. And God said to me in, in that moment, He said, I have set you apart to be holy. That's why I, I allow this, this to happen to you. But through that, through that um, injury, I received a lot of uh, inspirations and blessings while I was in that church. Verse 10. Am I still to forget your ill-gotten treasures, you wicked house? So since Israel is corrected, their, their wickedness gets worse and worse because they no longer are connected with the Lord. In short, Epha, which is accursed. And verse 11, shall I acquit someone with dishonest skills with a bag of false weights? So he, uh, God is accusing Israel of their, of their uh, greed. And he's accusing them of, of worshiping power because they have been influenced by Babylon. And the reason why Israel was corrupted was because they started to worship the power of Babylon. You know, the rich uh, Verse 12, your rich people are violent, your inhabitants are liars, and their tongues speak deceitfully. So Israel, again, they're living the life of Babylon. Of Babylon. Verse 13, therefore I have begun to destroy you, to ruin you because of your sins. This is the conclusion of their sins. The result of their sins. Because they tried to possess everything, they will lose everything instead. And their, their children, their next generation will be destroyed because of their sins. And because the whole world is plummeting into darkness, that's why in the churches, the next generation is not being nurtured. Verse 14, you will eat but not be satisfied. Your stomach will, be st- will still be empty. You will store up but save nothing because what you save I will give to the sword. So even though they try so hard to possess and, and gain everything, they will lose everything because ultimately everything belongs to the Lord. So if the Lord does not give it to you, then you will not possess it. No matter how much effort and strength and, and energy you put into it, you will not uh, possess these things. Verse 15, you will plant but not harvest. You will press olives but not use the oil. You will crush grapes but not drink the wine. So they try so hard to, 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 to gain these things, obtain these things. But without the Lord, everything is, is, is pointless. So what, is the, what, is, what did I say was the goal of, of greed? Is to possess everything, not to use or enjoy those things, but just to possess it. You know, the, 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 the most foolish thing for you, for people is to die rich. You know, you store so much money, but, but you didn't even get to enjoy that money while you lived. Verse 16, you have observed the statute, statutes of Omri. Omri was, was the fifth king. And all the practices of Ahab says, oh, Ahab was one of the kings that, that spread the most amount of wickedness and evil upon the land of Israel. So 
So when you, when you leave uh, wickedness within you, that evil is going to be personified within you. So, the result of that is, therefore I will give you over to ruin and your people to derisions, derision, and you will bear the scorn of the nations. So they will be destroyed because of their shame. And Israel will be shamed by being conquered, by being destroyed by their neighboring countries. What a misery, what misery is mine, in chapter 7, verse 1. Uh, I am like, like one who gathers summer fruit at the gleaning of the vineyard. So God planted his, his vineyard in Israel, and he expected uh, for it to be fruitful, but in the end, it didn't bear any fruit because of the wickedness of Israel. So God is happy. God enjoys it, and He's pleased when we are able to enjoy His abundance. But that is that only comes when we are obedient to Him. You know, the first fruit of figs are actually the sweetest. The the the, the first uh, figs that the tree of tree bears is is the sweetest. But um, Israel was was not able to bear those fruits for the Lord. But now is our, for our, uh, now is the season for this church to bear these figs, to bear these fruits for the Lord, because it is time for the harvest. We have to offer these these fr- uh, fruits to the Lord. We cannot come empty-handed. And especially Zoe Ministry, we listen to this uh, rich message, rich truth. So our goal is not just to sit here and receive grace, but we have to meet and encounter God in His glorious worship, and we need to receive His blessings, and we need to bear fruit for the Lord and for His kingdom, and offer this, this, these fruits to the Lord. Paul confessed in 2 Timothy, he confessed that since I have walked on the path of righteousness, God is going to give me the God, God is going to put on my head the, uh, the crown of glory. So that is what we need to do as well. Verse two: The faithful have been swept from the land. <clears throat> this is this generation. It is difficult to find righteous righteous people anymore. Not one upright person remains. People are no longer maintaining an upright relationship with the Lord. Everybody is influenced by Babylon. Everybody is living for themselves. Everyone lies in wait to shed blood. They hunt each other with nets. So, like I said before, for in the Babylon system requires you to kill somebody else for you to, for you to succeed. So whether you like it or not, when you live by Babylon, you will have to kill somebody else, put somebody else down for you to, to move forward. And this is a standard that God uses to judge the world and judge us. We need to live by the kingdom of God and not the kingdom of the world. Verse 3, both hands are skilled in doing evil. Because you have chosen to live by the old self, you, you become skilled in doing so. The ruler demands gifts. The judge accepts bribes. Everybody is corrupted. The whole system is corrupted. And now the ruler and the judges, the leaders of, this, uh, of, of the nations are being corrupted. Because when you live by the old self, you will meet people who are living by the old self. Evil and evil will, will, will come together. But the holy, people who are holy will meet people who are holy and be connected with people who are holy. <clears throat> 
There's four. The best of them is like a breer. So they can no longer be regarded as good. And the most upright, the most upright, worse than a thorn hedge. So every day you're just giving each other scars, you're polluting one another. In Hebrews 12, it talks about the bitter root. The bitter root will pollute you and also torment others. So people who have bitter roots will, will bring pain upon others. And they will pollute others and also pollute themselves as they continue to uh, ha- maintain the, the state of the bitter root. The day, the day God visits you has come. The day your watchmen sound the alarm. Now is the time of your, com- time of your confusion. So the, their evil has already reached its capacity. And since the evil has reached its peak, confusion and, and chaos is going to come upon the world. Everybody's going to be, uh, be, be worried, be concerned, and fall into panic. Now the inflation has reached, uh, reached uh, its climax in Korea as well. You cannot get a... Uh, every meal costs more than 10,000 Korean dollars. Every, all the prices are skyrocketing and the economy is collapsing. Are you guys worried? So since you, go, you guys don't have families yet, you'll probably, you'll probably, probably be less concerned. Verse 5, do not trust the neighbor. Now trust is going to uh, fade away in this generation. Not being able to trust anyone means you have nobody to, to, to rely on. Because Babylon requires you to kill others. But right now, there's still good in the world. Less than before, but there's good in the world. People help each other out. But after this season, the, the world is going to go into complete darkness. It's going to become difficult for people to even take care of themselves. And so people's characteristics and personalities are all going to become bad and wicked. So they will no longer trust others and help others. The cell phones that you all have is, 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 is similar. Is one of the channels that it is... Uh, so it's one of, the, one of the things that the enemy will use against you. Many people are getting conned, conned, conned. Uh, through, through their cell phones. So you need to pray that God will protect you and make the right decisions. Put no confidence in a friend. Even with the woman who lies in your embrace, guard the words of your lips. So in this age, who will be able to live through this age? Through this age? The church who is entrusted by the Lord and able to maintain a love, a relationship of love will be able to survive through this generation. And that's why it is so important for you to be in a church of remnants. So what is the Antichrist doing? The Antichrist is creating divisions between the nations, not just the churches. He's dividing all the, the societies to... to, to to, in, to make them uh, fall into individualism. So, 
So a while ago, the world seemed to be going towards the direction of unification. All 220 nations of the world seem to be coming together. But now, Russia, North America, China, they're all being separated, they're all being divided, and this division is going to spread further. All the nations, all the countries are going to start uh, dividing. The UN is going to disperse, and the EU is going to only uh, maintain 10 countries, and America is going to come out of that. And uh, Southern America is going to be divided. Politically speaking, the, the enemy, the Antichrist, is creating these divisions. Why is he doing that? It's because he cre he's creating an environment where he can take over everything. And in the midst of that, God is creating unification. Uni uni uh, he's creating a trend of unification amongst his people. People who can form a relationship of gospel, a relationship of love, who can come together to work for the, for the, uh, according to the will of the Lord. So this is how important, uh, so this is the significance of the ministry that we are doing at the moment. We're going around the world to raise up the remnants of God, to connect with them, to create these spiritual networks. Everybody needs to be under one true system so that we can move it uh, in unison. But we are living in a world where trust is no longer present. Lastly, verse 6, For a son dishonors his father, a daughter rises up against her mother, a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. What is this talking about? Leadership is broken down. If the son does not acknowledge the leadership of the father, then the, the family is going to collapse. If the leadership of the pastor is not acknowledged, then the church no longer is a church. That, is the, that was the problem of the Corinthian church. Now, but now is the, uh, is the generation where leadership is, is collapsing. And nowadays people praise this sort of leadership, and that leadership is the leadership of the Antichrist. Because nations will no longer have be, be in control. Of they no longer have power to control their people. And so people will start to praise the power of the Antichrist who will come in control of everything. And uh, the enemy is, is making an environment where the people will no longer are able to see what is right and what is true. They take away all hope from them. They steal away all hope, of, all self-hope from the people. And the reason why your polis is not out of coincidence is because that is exactly what Babylon is doing to uh, the people of this age. Making you feel powerless because you cannot possess things. Making, a think, making you think that not possessing things is the reason why you feel powerless and hopeless. But if you live with the Lord, you have no reason to be hopeless and be powerless. A man's enemies are the members of his own, own household. So you have to love your enemies, which are your family members, because you're living with them. Love your enemies. You know, you're going to love your older brother. Now let's pray. Oh, no, let's just finish it here. 
what are, we, what are we doing in the afternoon? We have cell group meetings. So enjoy your, your meals and enjoy your cell group meetings as well. And do not come to the evening service tired because uh, last, the last sermon of this conference will be a conference of, of, of blessings. So it's a time of celebration for us. And also remember to wear your t-shirts. So let's end the service here. Turn over the glory to the Lord. Amen.